What's up, KU? Dang, you guys, that sounded mad weak. What's up, KU? <laughs> Some of you guys have more KU pride than others. <laughs> um, so like Eunice said, my name is Anna Rowe. I am from Virginia, <laughs> a VA, and yeah, I'm just so glad to be at Korea University. Um, I love being at Emmaus, and this was the last campus that I have not been to. So I'm so excited to be here. Um, I've been hearing so many awesome things, been in prayer for it, especially because Eunice and I are such close friends. So to see you guys actually here, it's, it's very, like, it's very surreal, you know? Um, and I think, like, one thing as we were worshiping and um, as God was just speaking to me was, this right here is small, but so powerful. And I don't want you to forget that. That don't look around and see, dang, like, why are we the small, the like, smallest campus, right? Like, why, why are we, like, less in number? All of these things, don't let that phase you. Because one thing I heard God whisper to me over and over again about KU was they're small, but their fire is powerful. So I want you guys to just keep that in mind about your campus and take ownership over your campus and take ownership over what God is doing in your life here specifically and you will grow stronger. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm really excited to bring the word today. Uh, ra- raise your hand if you're awake. You guys, you're, you're awake. You're alive here. All right. <laughs> so because it's so small, like I, I like some interaction, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so you guys can like shout things out here and there. Um, so I just want to get right into it. Let's turn to Romans 10 verse nine, Romans 10 verse nine, Romans chapter 10 verse nine. Are you guys there? Yes. No. All right, a little slower, all right. (laughs) All right, Romans 10, verse 9. Because it's just one verse, let's read it together, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. All right, let me read this one more time. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So in this passage, I think there are hidden two very key weapons to empower you, to strengthen you so that you are able to live a life of power with God. Okay. So I want to start unpacking this verse with you. Um, and Essentially, to live a life of power with God, it means to live a life of relationship with God, right? To live a life knowing the Father, knowing God the Creator. And basically, if you want to live a life in relationship with God, you need to know what you believe in, right? You can't just live a life and be in relationship even with a person without really knowing them, right? So when you are in relationship with God the Father, what do you believe in? KU, what are your beliefs? What are the things that you believe in? And I just want to take you through this one verse because I believe as you are able to articulate what you believe in, 
that will give you a life of power, a life of victory. So, these two weapons in this verse, okay, will give you, uh, will en- enable you to live a life wholly devoted to God. And I want to, I want to call these two points punches. Okay, so these two punches. Um, now I know at SNU, Seoul National University, uh, the speaker for tonight is Eugene. Anyone know Eugene? Eugene Kim? Lee? Lee, sorry, Eugene Lee. I, I just assume everyone's a Kim. All right, sorry. Eugene Lee. Um, and uh, Rona posted up this picture of Eugene, like, like fighting. He had blood all over it, right? And, you know, when, when you're fighting, when you are in battle, you need to have your arms raised up, right? You can't just go in there, like, attack me. <laughs> you're you're going to get killed. You need to have your arms raised up if you, wanted to, if you want to live, if you want to fight. And also, you can't just go in there with just one arm raised up. Right? It's just boom, boom, boom. And then pretty soon the enemy's going to get you on the other side. Right? But when you have both arms raised up, these two arms raised up will give you the capacity to fight. All right? So these two weapons, these two-fold punch that I want to un- unpack for you is essential for you to live a life in relationship with God. So the first punch I want to give to you is, it says in Romans 10.9, the verse that we just read, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So the first punch is confess. Confess. Now, when I, when I uh, hear the word confession, the first thing I think of is confession of sins. <laughs> you guys think of that? Like, let, let, me, let me confess everything that I did wrong this week. Let me confess to you all the mistakes I made, all the failures I made. And don't get me wrong, confession of sins is so important. In fact, it's vital for your walk with God. You cannot come before God, the Holy One, and say, I did nothing wrong. Right? That's, that's like blasphemous, right? So you want to go up there and confession is so key. That's where you experience forgiveness. That's where you experience the love of God. In fact, it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the power of confession is that it gives you forgiveness and it also cleanses you. So it is very important when we are to live a right relationship with God. However, I believe a lot of believers just stay there. God, forgive me for my sins. God, forgive me I did this. God, forgive me for making this mistake. But they never get past their sins. But in essence, what God really is saying, hey, confession is important. But what I really want you to do is confess that Jesus is Lord. There's a power when you confess that God is God, the maker of the earth. Jesus is our redeemer. There is power. That's actually where salvation comes from. That's actually where the gospel comes. Not just that we com- like confess our sins and God forgives us, but God is faithful to restore us, to redeem us. So that is a power, a punch that you need in order to live a life of victory. Confess that Jesus is Lord. The second punch, um, oh, 
Oh, man, I, I wanted to skip this part <laughs> because I was going to tell you this story, but I have never told this story in public. Like, like I've told it to, like, my friends, you know what I mean? But, like, holding a mic and being, like, recorded, I've never, ever <laughs> said it in public. <sighs> All right. But you guys have to promise me that you won't judge me after this story. Are you guys going to judge me? No. All right. <laughs> so judge me and then, and then see me as like a new creation, all right? Um, so this, this story is, like it happened a while back. Um, and this is where I just got stuck on confessing my sin, okay? Um, so... When I was, like, a little bit younger, like, I think somewhere, like, either college or graduate college, whatever, right? One winter night, um, me and my friends went to go drink, and drink. I ended up drinking way too much, right? Um, so I remember, like, it was, like, the most I've ever, like, drank in a while. Um, and I went to sleep that night, but I was very, like, I felt so uneasy. And, like, I'm very, like, I'm a very neat person, Okay, like I'm a very neat person. I, I remember even throwing up in public. One time I threw up and it, it like went neatly inside a plate. <laughs> I know that's gross, but I'm just saying it, it didn't even splatter. All right. Um, so so even when I throw up, it's very neat and organized. Um, but anyways, I went to sleep this winter night. And <laughs> um, I remember I felt so nauseous when I was sleeping that I was sleeping on the like on the ground like this. Um, and I went to my side and I threw up, like, right? And then I, like, I went back and I, I was so tired that I just went to the other side and then slept. <laughs> and then I woke up and then I started remembering, oh, no, like, I threw up. I think I threw up. Did I? And then I look, I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> Snap, so nasty. I've never done that kind of thing before, right? Um, and then I ignored it for like an hour or two because it was just so gross. I just couldn't handle it, right? So finally I was like, all right, let's do this. You, you got to clean up your apartment, right? So I went over and then I realized I didn't just throw up like on my floor. I threw up on my Bible. That's not the worst part. I woke up and I realized it was Christmas morning. And I just sat there, and I was like, I cannot believe I threw up on God's word. <laughs> on Jesus' birthday, what kind of sinner am I, you know? And I just felt so guilty. Who does that, right? Like, even like, oh, man, it was, it was the worst. And for, like, the whole week, I couldn't pray because I felt so, like, I felt like such a sinner. I remember I went to church later that week, and I couldn't even worship. Like, I was just sitting there, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I, I threw up on your word, the Holy Bible, you know who, oh, and I, for a long time, I just could not get off the fact that I sinned. And it's humorous now, but, like, I really felt like such a dirty person, right? And, like, a foul person, like a false disciple. And um, it, it wasn't until I finally like, confessed to my small group leader, and um, she, like, she's like, Anna, it's okay, you know, don't ever do that again, um, and then also, I went before God, and, you know, at this point, I've repeatedly asked for forgiveness for my sin, 
right? Um, and it wasn't until when I came before God, I was like, I'm so sorry. And then God started speaking to me. Hey, stop concentrating on what you did wrong. I want you to start saying with your mouth who I am. Like, okay, well, I don't really feel it, but all right. Um, God, I, I claim that you are a father that is gracious to forgive. So, so I was like, okay, God, I declare that you are a loving father that is slow to anger. And I just started listing off just names of who God is, right? He's not just God, but he's Emmanuel, God with us. God that is loving, a father that is there, spirit that is always encountering us, surrounding us, right? So I started declaring all these different names of God. And as I started confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's when I felt the power come back into my life. Okay, so the first punch that we need to have in order to live a life of relationship with God is to confess. The second punch, um, now in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the second punch I believe that you need to have is belief. Belief. To believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Not only do we need to say and declare who Jesus is, but we need to know and believe the words that we speak out. If you just say words that you don't believe in, it's very powerless. But when you say words and believe that it is true, that's power going out. And essentially, belief is faith. So when you live a life of faith, declaring and confessing, God, you are my healer. And not only saying that, but believing that. That's how you're able to live a powerful life. And, uh, you know, the, first, the reason why I first introduced confess is because that's, that's the first punch that needs to go. You've already declared, God, you are my redeemer, Right? So when you're saying that, you're starting to believe his characteristics. You're starting to believe his nature. Ah, this is who God is. So I believe that he will do what he said he promised, right? So confess and believe is a twofold punch. Um, I want you to, to look at your neighbor on the right. Give them a slight little tap and say, confess. I want you to look neighbor on the left and say, believe. All right, say it with me. Confess and believe. Okay, so this twofold punch is so essential for you to move forward in power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Confess, believe. Confess, believe. And when you are armored with these two punches, you are going to go through whatever hardship you have in life and go through it in power. There's going to be times when it's hard, right? Like, I, I remember when I was in college, I thought things were great. The more I live, I realized, man, there are some tough times, okay? And I'm only 27, <laughs> but there are some times when I, I get discouraged. I start doubting. I start uh, wondering, God, are you really going to 
pro- like deliver what you promised, God? Are you really my healer, God? Are you really my provider? But whenever I come into a place of prayer and say, no, God, I confess that you are my provider and then start believing for it, that's how I come out of my discouragement. That's how I come out of my doubt. So um, there's this man in the Bible and he, he's a man that really knew how to use those two punches. Confess, believe. Confess, believe. And this man, um, I want you guys to turn to Second Kings 19. His name is King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. All right, Second Kings 19, and then go to verses 14 through 19. 14 through 19. All right, so in this story, basically what happens is um, there's a king of Israel, and uh, the Assyria army comes and surrounds him, right? So Israel is very small, very weak. And Assyria comes, and they are very strong. They have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of men. And uh, the king of Assyria is basically threatening Hezekiah and saying, hey, I'm going to crush your country. And you have no one to save you. You have no one to back you up. I'm going to surround you and your people. And eventually, you guys are going to become my slaves. All right? So there's a lot of burden, a lot of weight on King Hezekiah. Because it's one thing if he gets captured, but because of him and of his lack of protection, then his entire people are going to get captured, right? So there's a lot of weight and burden upon King Hezekiah. And um, the king of Assyria, he sends this letter to King Hezekiah, mocking him, saying, you're going you're gonna to die, you're going to be my slaves, you're, you're saying you believe in this God of Israel, but he is not going to come and save you. Don't you dare even be, uh, believe in this God, because my God is the living God. Um, and he just sends this letter refuting everything that Hezekiah is believing in, right? So Hezekiah is not only shaken, but he's shaken to the core. This is what he believes, his basic statement of beliefs, but king of Assyria is attacking his core. Okay? So what Hezekiah does is, I think, man, so bold, so courageous, and so humble. Um, I want to read verse 14 to 19 with you guys, so follow along. Hezekiah received a letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Do you see how Hezekiah takes the letter? And instead of looking at the mocking words that the king of Assyria says, he takes that and says, God, here's the letter, but instead I'm going to confess who you are. You are the God enthroned in heaven. You are the maker of heaven and earth. Even though I know it's very realistic that this king can come and crush me, I choose to believe and confess who you are. You are Lord Almighty. Okay, let me keep going. It says, verse 16, Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear the words of Shenna Karib, 
which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. So Hezekiah takes this, and with an amazing um, amount of faith, he says, God, I confess that you are mighty to save. Not only do I confess it, but I believe it. So he had this confess and believe, confess and believe. And what's so amazing is later in that chapter, um, through the prophet Isaiah, God speaks to the prophet and says, hey, I want you to go to King Hezekiah and tell him, I will come and destroy this king of Assyria. So it's, it's actually very supernatural what happens. The, um, there's a bunch, basically uh, the king of Assyria gets word that someone else has attacked his um, country and then he goes back to his country and then as he's standing there worshiping before the, his god of wood and stone, uh, his, his sons come in and kill him. So very supernaturally, God rescued Hezekiah and Israel, right? And I believe it was because of Hezekiah's faith, because of what he confessed and because of what he believed. He did not say in his letter, hey, God, look at this letter. Look at this, 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 and this. What are you doing up there? Do you not care for me? Do you not see what kind of pit of destruction I'm in? Do you love me? Have you guys said that before? God, do you love me? Are you serious? Do you see what's happening right now? Do you love me? But Hezekiah, instead of lamenting about what was happening in his life, he said, God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. And that helped stir up his faith. His confession of who God was stirred up the faith of Hezekiah. And because of that faith, his entire country was rescued. Um, There was a time when I, so I'm part of this church, New Philadelphia, and I got sent out for a Busan church plant um, down south of Korea. And, you know, when you do a church plant, it requires a lot of faith. And I remember, like, for six months, I cried and wept because I thought God was not with me. And one of the hardest things that I had to trust God for was that God will provide for me in job. Um, And... I remember like for two to four months around that time, I didn't have a job. So two to four months, like I don't have a job. I'm not there. I don't know anyone in the city besides my church plant team. So there isn't much I can do to take my mind off things, right? So it was a very crucial testing time. And uh, finally, I got this job offer, but it was a part-time job. And within those two to four months, I didn't have a job. I actually wrote down everything I desired in a job. God, I want to be paid this much. God, I want to be, um, I want this job to be maximum 30 minutes away from my house. God, I want um, a coworker like this. Like, it was very specific, right? And um, I, I was contending in faith, God, you're going you're gonna to see my list and you're going to answer all of my lists. And I went to this interview for a part-time job and it meant nothing of my list, right? But this was a critical point in my life because at that point, that was like the only job offer that we could find um, or I could find. And then 
it was that time when like money was slowly going down, right? So I was getting very nervous. And I took that, and this is after like 20 interviews. Like it was tireless. Like it, it's not like I just sat on my butt, like, all right, God, give me a job. No, like I went out and went after interview, after interview, after interview. And um, finally, I remember I took this contract. And I think that day I just read Hezekiah. And I, I'm pretty dramatic because I think I watched a lot of Korean dramas. But, like, I took this contract and I laid down on my floor. And I remember I spread the contract out. And, then, you know, it says in the word, like, Hezekiah took the letter and spread it before God. And I was like, as I took it on the floor, I was like, God, I spread this contract before you. This contract. Do you see this contract? And then I was like, no, 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 wait, that's not what Hezekiah did. God, I confess that you are my provider. And trust me, I did not feel it. Like, I really didn't believe it. But I just kept saying it again and again. God, I confess that you are my provider. You are my provider, and you will make sure that I don't go hungry. You sent me out on this church plant, and you will make sure that I will not go alone, that I will not be put to shame, because I trust in you. I believe in you. So because I started confessing that, slowly I started believing that. So what ended up happening was I, I took this part-time job. It was terrible. But um, I think a month after being faithful to that job, God gave me another job. And this was like a full-time job, right? So I was like, oh, snap, increase. And it answered almost everything except for like two or three. And I was like, oh, wow, still, you know, like I think one big thing that wasn't answered was it was an hour and a half away from my home when I requested like 30 minutes, right? <laughs> Trust me, hour and a half commutes are painful, okay? Um, so I remember like a year and a half of doing this, but still wondering, God, you know, um, you're so awesome prov for providing me this job, but um, I guess you didn't answer like this and this, but you know, it's okay. You know, it's okay. I still believe in you, you know? And by the end of my two years in Busan, I actually got switched over to a different job that was 20 minutes away from my house. And by the end of my two years of my commitment to this church plan, God was like, do you see how faithful I was? And I had to look back and be like, wow. If, like, those were small steps of faith, you know? I, I, I don't think if I first like you no know, dramatic as it was if i like spread out that contract and said god i still believe in you i don't think i would have given those been given those opportunities you know like i didn't just say no to the part-time job just because it didn't meet my requests like no like i think there are moments when you have to wait but moments when you have to act with the faithful things so with the small things so i i took that part-time job and gradually god began to increase his favor in my life so that, that weapon, those two punches of confess and believe, believe will carry you through whatever storm. Um, there was, <clears throat> I think last winter, I went on a mission trip to India. And we went to New Delhi. And there was a moment when, like, if you guys go on mission trips, this is going to happen a lot. Where uh, the preacher says, all right, I, I think there are some people here that are sick. Uh, God wants to heal you. Um, and... Raise your hand if you are in any kind of pain, right? So there was this moment when, like, we were doing this, and um, I think this was the most powerful moments of healing, like, I personally experienced. And basically, this woman raised her hand, and, like, I felt like God was like, go, go pray to her, 
go pray for her, right? So I went in the back of the room, and I, like, laid my hands, like, right here on her stomach because she said her stomach hurt. And I, I, didn't even, I didn't even start to pray. Like, I just put my hand there, and then she, like, she started crying, and then she started screaming. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, I was so distracted, I didn't even pray. But, like, the only words I could, like, mutter out from my shock was, Jesus, heal her. And then, um, and then later, like after five minutes, we prayed. And then preacher was like, "Raise your hand if you if you received healing." And that woman raised her hand, and I was like, "Oh, like she received healing. I wonder what's going on, right?" So at the end of service, um, I went up to her and I got a translator with me, and I was like, "Hey, I I prayed for you. I was wondering if I could hear what happened, your side of the story." And then she saw me. She immediately started crying because she said, for months, her stomach had been in intense pain. And she said the moment I touched her hand, she felt her pain, like, like just stabbing, right? Like this. And then all of a sudden, she felt it gone. And she said, I have been in months of pain, but as soon as you prayed, all the pain disappeared. And I was like, snap. It's amazing, right? Like, that's so cool. Like, I've never experienced healing from my own hands. So I thought, like, God, you're, you know what I mean? Like, you're awesome. Wow, powerful, right? Um, and then as she was talking to me, a woman, another woman that was, like, kind of observing us from the side, she, she started coming up, and she goes, hey, hey, she taps me. Like, can you pray for me? My stomach hurts, too. And then I, I looked at the woman that just got healed, and I said, no, you pray for her. And that woman was like, are you sure? Like, nah, like I'm not on a mission trip like you, you know? And I was like, what? That doesn't matter. God just healed you. That means um, God wants to use you, and you can release the healing that you received to this woman, right? So she was like, okay. And then she puts her hand on that woman, and she goes, what do I pray? And I was like, well, you know, what did you pray when you got the healing? She goes, God God, heal me. God, I believe in you. God, I believe you're my healer. And I was like, okay, that's great. You pray that same prayer. So she took that and she started confessing, God, you are my healer. God, you are one that doesn't want any sickness on my body. God, you are one that wants my full healing. You want my body to walk in full health. So she took that, confessed that, and prayed that over that woman. And then that woman started crying. She was <gasps> And I was like, shoot, that's like so awesome, right? Like, I didn't even pray for her, but, like, I just felt so, like, amazed by God's love. He was faithful to use me, but then he was also faithful to use that woman as well. And by confession, by belief, God will release the supernatural to you. Um, so, you know, the thing that I kept emphasizing again and again is it is important for you to have a basic statement of belief, right? You need to know what you believe in in order for you to be strong in your beliefs. If you don't know what you believe in, then how will you be able to articulate what you believe, how you live your life, what your values are? You need to have a strong, basic statement of belief. Um, and one one very strong Basic statement of belief, looking back at the history of the church, is the Apostles' Creed. Raise your hand if you know the Apostles' Creed. Do you guys know it? We just sing it. 
So I, I grew up uh, going to church, and I remember I said the Apostles' Creed every Sunday to the point when I was like, I believe in God the Father. And you know, like, it was, it was very mundane to me, um, very dull. I just memorized it by my mouth. Um, and I had no idea how it formed, how it became, um, until I entered seminary, which is this past year. <laughs> um, so I want to give you a little history of how the Apostles' Creed was created, okay? Because you need to know your basic statement of belief in order for you to live a strong, powerful life with God. So Apostles' Creed is the basic, is the most basic statement of belief, okay? Um, so basically the way that it was created was um, the Christians in Israel, they started spreading out because of persecution, right? So they started going out into the different parts of the Roman world. And as they were going out into the different parts of Rome, uh, the first leaders, so like the apostles of Jesus Christ, they started dying out. Okay, so these people that the, uh, the people originally went to the leaders, they were gone. So the church was like, hey, how do we how do we know who do we go to now? How do we articulate our faith? Right. So there became a practical need for local churches to have a base, basic statement of belief. Um, and during this time when there was like a lot of confusion, um, a lot of false teachers started coming out and they saying, hey, we believe in God the father and God, the mother. People are like, what? No, we don't. You know, so there was a lot of confusion. And if you don't know what you believe, you know, like if you are strong, you can say, I believe in God, the father. There is no God mother. Like what? You know, but if you are not strong and you have no idea, it is very easy for you to be like, oh, is there God, the mother? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you're right, right? So a lot of false teachers started leading the, uh, the people aw away from what the true doctrines of the Bible were, okay? So there became a practical need for the lo local churches to know, um, to have this basic statement. And the thing was, in these local churches all around Rome, not one church had all of the New Testament, okay? So it was all spread out. One church had... Um, the epistles, one church had the gospel of John, one church had the gospel of Matthew, right? So not one church had everything. So what they did was all the leaders of these churches wrote up a list of, I think this is important. I think this is important. And then they compiled all these lists together and they started taking out all the small details. And then this is how the Apostles' Creed was formed. Okay? So... I feel like I just lectured on history of <laughs> history of the Bible. So basically, like when when you are reciting the Apostles' Creed, you are declaring a basic statement of faith. So when you're saying it, there is power that's being released, and you're able to know, hey, I believe in God the Father, I believe in the Son of God. That he did die on the third day and he rose again. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints. I do not believe in this other thing that you're saying because that's not listed in my statement of belief. You're able to stand strong through whatever false teachings, false knowledge that comes in your way because you have the shield of faith up before you. So I want to uh, read to you the Apostles' Creed and... I want you to listen because it's very easy, especially if you grew up in the church like me, very easy to tune your brain out 
and something that you've declared over and over again, like I've done, like it just turns into whatever, right? But knowing the history, knowing of how it was formed, I want you to understand that this was power for people to know, okay? So it says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. He is the one that made the heaven and the earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And when you confess and when you believe, God gives you a promise at the end. It says, when you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God will save you. That is a promise. That is a guarantee. He will save you because he wants you to live a victorious life. He will save you because he wants you to live a a life rich to the fullest of blessings. He will save you because he wants you to live a life full of power from heaven on high, not just getting by here on earth. You know, we sang uh, this song. The title of it is This I Believe. And I love this song because this song is based off the Apostles' Creed. And um, Hillsong wrote this song. And basically... um, one of the famous, John Dixon, he's one of the famous An- Anglican uh, figures. He tweeted to Hillsong and said, hey, can you write a song where all of us can sing? No matter what de- denomination, no matter what background, whatever, what kind of, um, you know, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, without any of that, can you just write a song that we can all sing together? So that's how this song was created. And I don't know about you, but every time I hear that song or when I sing that song, I feel faith being lifted up. Like this is, yeah, this is what I believe. I do believe in God. I do believe in Son, Jesus Christ. This is what I believe. And so many people within the first century, the Christians that started forming the Apostles' Creed, once they knew what they believed, do you know what happened? They were willing to stand the persecution. There were so many martyrs, so many people that died because of the gospel, and they were willing to die for the sake of the gospel because they knew what they believed. Because I believe that there is a God, because I believe that He sent His only Son, I am willing to die. This pain, this torture that I'm feeling right now, is all okay. Because I believe in a God who is everlasting. You know, there's a lot of persecution going right now in ISIS and and in the Middle East. And some of you guys might even be receiving some persecution from your non-believing family members, right? Whatever type of persecution it is, are you willing to stand firm in your faith because of what you believe? I believe that, you know, this, this group right here, you guys are strong. 
There's a fire inside of you that cannot be easily quenched. But I'm here today to strengthen you even more and say stand strong in your faith. Stand strong in your faith. Confess and believe that he is Lord. And God will uphold you. Let's close our eyes in prayer.